Hi, and welcome to the latest and greatest of the Modern Honest Dating Podcast, or the Honest Modern Dating Podcast, depending on how I pronounce it. I think it's actually the second one. Uh, in this podcast, we're actually talking about a couple things. The first thing is implicit and explicit language. And the second is beliefs about attractiveness. Because if we have the right beliefs about attractiveness, we can actually do, we can we can feel like we're enough. So first thing I want to talk about is this implicit and explicit language. It's kind of like a little thing at the start that I think is really important for people to know. And once you understand this definition, you'll be like, holy shit balls, I can read people better, I can understand people better. And maybe, just maybe, you can actually get to know them and really feel and read between the lines of what they're thinking. Now, when it comes to communicating, we have two styles of language. I mean, there are a bunch of styles, but in this thing about these styles, what I'm specifically referring to is the level of detail that someone is using or someone is willing to use. They are either implicit or they are explicit. So explicit is giving really clear details about time, about money, about location, about feelings, about things like that. While Implicit language, implicit language is uh, things that hold back, you know, things that should just be, should just be known, you know, and that is where most problems lie is in the implicit. Have you ever tried to make a booking with someone or a, a friend, you know what I mean, like book their time, so to speak, where you're like, hey, you know, do you want to meet up tomorrow, 6pm, let's get dinner, and they say, I'll tell you tomorrow. Or more specifically, they say that famous M word, maybe. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever had that? But then how do you feel when that actually is the case? You're like, well, how do I know if we're actually doing this? And then you get really frustrated. Now, when when I was coaching guys, right, we used to have this rule called the Brad Pitt rule. And, you know, when it comes to women, we can call it the Angelina Jolie rule. Pool uh, rule. Uh, probably that doesn't really work for most people. Um, but for men, the Brad Pitt rule just seemed to work. You can pick a celebrity. Just pick up just you on in your own time. Pick a celebrity. But the Brad Pitt rule was when we were talking to guys. Guys were like, you know, I met this girl. It's really cool. It's going. It's going really well. But I just can't pin her on a date. What the hell is going on? And a lot of guys would then just stem and just be like, well, maybe it's the girl. You know, maybe it's not me. Maybe she's just bad at planning, right? Well, here we go. And I want to tell you something really amazing. Everybody is a planner. Whether they are a good planner or a bad planner, they are a planner. They know when Christmas is. They know when their birthday is. And maybe some of them know when their mother's birthday is. But the truth is we are all planners and when push comes to shove, we will plan even more. We will plan even better. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that since we're planners, it's not necessarily the fact that we can plan or not plan, which is the issue. It's the importance of the plan, right? And this is where the Brad Pitt rule comes in or the celebrity rule or the Angelina Jolie rule or the Hugh Jackman rule or the... Um, the Freddie Mercury rule or the Michael Jackson rule or whoever celebrity you want is that if a guy was wondering if a girl was actually going to, you know, spend time with him, if it was that she was a bad plan or not, we just got to ask the question. If Brad Pitt came along 
and then asked her out, would she make plans for him? Or would she make time for him? If she liked him, then yes. You know, so it's not necessarily the plan. Maybe you don't like Brad Pitt, you know, like if you're a girl listening to this, maybe you don't like Brad Pitt. That's okay. Pick a celebrity or not, or a friend or something like that. Because the truth is, it's not necessarily the pr- the plan that's the issue. It's the actual, uh, the importance of it. So when it comes to things like that, we do want to hold an explicit language standard. This has to be a standard from now on that when it comes to certain things, and I'll tell you these things in a second, that these, we have to be explicit. With other things, it's okay to respect someone else's implicitness. And, you know, we can, uh, sometimes that's actually about respect and empathy is that if someone is afraid or someone can't necessarily communicate themselves very well, we have to allow ourselves to be just a little bit implicit. So we're still being honest, but we're just not, um, what is actually happening. So you're you're not not revealing details here. That's the thing. You're just letting the other person feel it without saying things explicitly. You know, you can help them experience it rather than say it because some people are afraid of words in some situations. So what I'm referring to here, the things that should always, always, always be explicit is money and time. Always money and time. Sorry, there's a horn in the background. I do not have a soundproof recording studio just yet. So when it comes to money, we always are explicit no matter what. If you say, hey, I got this business deal or hey, there's this coffee. Imagine if you went to buy a coffee. It was in Australia and Melbourne. They're like 350 to four bucks, sometimes five bucks, wherever you go, whatever, who cares? And they're like, oh, it's maybe, I don't know, like under 10 bucks. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, money is never, ever ever an implicitly implied thing, ever. You have to have that standard, especially when it comes to if you're running a business, things like that, things get a bit more intense, right? Especially when you're dealing with large sums of money, things like that. We need to know where we stand with the money, what's gonna be exchanged with the goods and values and services that whatever it's supplied for. Now, the second thing is time. Now, here's the fun thing about time. Time should always be explicit. Even if you're being explicit about not being explicit about time. If you're saying, I will generally let you know, then be explicit, I will generally let you know tomorrow. Or I will let you know by this time. These kinds of things are very important. Now, here's the thing, right? If a person cannot be explicit with you with their time, then they're not willing to give you their time seriously. That's the truth. If a person is not willing to be explicit with their time, they're not willing to give you their time seriously. It's the same thing with money. If someone is not gonna be very serious or, you know, they can tell you about the money that things are gonna cost or, you know, whether they have the money or not, things like that, it's only because they're not actually taking it seriously or they're afraid. You know, there's something blocking them. That's always a big thing that a lot of people forget about is an emotional blockage that stops people from actually sharing things, you know? So that has to be dealt with. Um, so this is the thing, right? If you're dating people and this can happen, a lot of people stumble upon these guys, a lot of women and a lot of guys do this as well. Remember that when I do these podcasts, I'm actually like trying to disgender them a little bit, you know, just talk about dating problems and stuff that are universal. Remember that I actually had some people, a lot of guys listen to my, um, the podcast about the, the ultimate attraction formula. Uh, a lot of straight men and gay men were messaging me being like, this worked. So this shit's universal, you know? This is very universal. A lot of people have to, to jump on the ball and recognize this kind of stuff. But 
right? If someone, this is now going to be a new standard. And if you're with me on this, and if you're not, and then maybe it's afraid because maybe there's a fear of rejection, things like that. Um, it is now a standard that the person has to give you their time seriously, which means that if they don't, you know, if they're being vague about it, then you know that they're not going to really make it seriously with you, which means that maybe you have to change up your strategy, make change up your tactics or whatever, or however you're communicating, whatever you like to call it. Um, we need to change this up because whatever you're doing might not be working to the fullest extent. You know, they might not be getting to know the real you. And I want to you know, I, I did use the, the T and the S word, the tactics and the strategies, which some people don't like. And I'm going to be talking about the ultimate belief for attractiveness. Like this is a really powerful thing that you will learn in just a second. But yeah, so this is really important. We have to know these things. We have to be explicit about our time because if we are not, then we are going to set the standard that other people cannot be explicit with our time. And maybe we just don't deserve it. You know, maybe we just think that every guy that wants to see us, you know, he's just going to use us or abuse us. So why would I want to be explicit with my time anyway? He's going to rock up to the date or whatever. That's complete bullshit. We want to flip that script as, as soon as we can. When we the, the only way to do it is by setting standards and keeping them. Now, here's the thing. And this is what I want to talk about. More about attraction. More about the beliefs about attraction. Things like that. Um because this is going to really help you understand people, men, relationships, dating, just in general. Uh, if you don't know this already, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be explaining it to you for the first time. If you do know this already, I'm going to be taking this deeper, deeper than your soul. <laughs> Sorry to go a bit deep <laughs> dark there, but it's like we're going to be taking this to a level about uh, attraction and beliefs about attraction to a really amazing level that I feel like is going to really drastically change the way you look at romance and it'll open up some eyes, some your eyes, their eyes, and just eyes in general when it comes to attraction. So when it comes to dating and the dating process, we have some beliefs. Now, some of them might be empowering beliefs, some of them might be limiting beliefs. And I'm going to give you the ultimate belief that will change the way you look at it. Now, with beliefs and things like that, what happens is, is that our beliefs shape, uh, shape our world. Regardless of if they are true or not, beliefs shape our world. And guess what? If we believe something, we probably think it's true. No matter if it is or not, we will find reasons to believe that it is true. If you believe that, you know, that... That dating is a terrible thing, that we should never do it, that every time you do it, you're just going to get hurt. You will find evidence to support that. If you believe that love is around the corner, like I do, and like all my clients eventually do, you will find evidence to support that. So we should stop trying to maybe change the evidence, you know, and change the belief. Because the belief is more, like, more powerful. And sometimes beliefs shape our strategies. Now, what some people believe, right, about beliefs, and I'm talking generally, not, not necessarily religious beliefs, but just beliefs about the world, you know? Like if we believe that we turn on the tap, water comes out. You know, after a while, if we don't open up the tap, water might not come out. But when it comes to people, right, when it comes to relationships and understanding things, people often think that it's you collect the experiences and then you earn the belief, right? So what I mean by that is, for example, you know, you get burned by enough guys, and then at the end, you'll be like, well, I believe all guys are just going to burn me, things like that. 
On the other hand, on the other hand, if you believe that if you have a bunch of good experiences, right, that means, you know, you're like, oh, really good date, really good date, really good date, really good date, really good date. That might create the belief in your head that, hmm, maybe I'm a super attractive person. Maybe everyone that likes me, maybe everyone that I meet is going to like me. And so you're going to find reasons to support that, whether it's true or not. And I think it was Zig Ziglar who said in his, I think he's Texan or Southern accent, he says, you know, it's, he's with regards to uh, optimism, he goes, optimism will not get you everything, but it will get you more than what pessimism will. And I believe that. So I'm going to say that in my Australian accent, mate. But optimism will not get you everything, but it will get you more than what pessimism will. And that is such a powerful way to look at it because you don't have to necessarily believe the right things, but that belief will get you more. And you'll probably find make it realistic in the process. Now, what people don't get about beliefs, and I'm talking about beliefs very, like we're building this shit up before I give you the ultimate belief, the ultimate powerful belief. But what people don't believe is that beliefs and experiences, remember I said some people collect the experiences then they create the belief, is that beliefs and experiences is that way only. Beliefs are created by experiences. That is incorrect. That in actual fact, beliefs and experiences are two sides of the same coin. That sometimes we get our beliefs from other people telling us, from things that we've learned, for example. You know, um, we, we get... We get colored by the world because of our, the, you know, just where we've picked up things or maybe we've listened to other people, for example. Now, here's a big thing that's worth knowing that beliefs and experiences are actually two sides of the same coin. Beliefs and experiences are actually two sides of the same coin. For example, if you believe, right, if you believe that all homeless people are scumbags, I'm not saying that you do, every time you see a homeless person, that is going to then color that experience. But if you believe that everybody is an amazing human being, no matter what their position in life is, then you're going to meet a homeless person, for example, someone who's not very financially well off, and you're going to treat them very differently. So not only do experiences create beliefs, but in the reverse world, in reverse world, uh, uh, beliefs color experiences. So we have to, it's what comes first, chicken or the egg? Who knows? It's like, who milked the first cow? I'm not quite sure. Maybe you know, maybe you could email me. But what comes first, beliefs or experiences? If we want to change one, we can either create a bunch of experiences that change beliefs, which is what sometimes, you know, a lot of uh, when it comes to men's dating, you know, back in the day, for example, back in my day, I used to be a professional wingman, like things like that, you know, really helping guys create some new amazing experiences just so they can understand it. Or we can start with beliefs. Now, I personally find starting with beliefs is such a powerful way. And I've, I've really structured my entire coaching around this. It's such a powerful way to connect with people and just to really help them. Because when you create a new and empowering belief, that means that, hmm, maybe things start working automatically. Just maybe. Because if you believe that love is around the corner and you turn a corner Maybe you might find love. Hmm, that's strange. Maybe, just maybe. So, when it comes to attraction, 
Attraction can be summed up in one word. One giant, big, long P word. And if you don't know it, you should know it already. It starts with P and rhymes with polarity. It's polarity. Attraction can be summed up in polarity. That is your masculine and your feminine energy, you know? And some people get really offended by this. They say, I'm not a masculine person. I'm not a feminine person. Because in today's equal society, we disgender people, which is ironically what I'm kind of doing now. But when it comes to attraction, we have to look at masculine and feminine energy. That is the most important thing. Now, the little asterisk here is that not all men, not all men are masculine and not all women are feminine. And I've definitely seen this, especially, for example, in same-sex couples. One person normally is more masculine. One person is normally more feminine. Whether or not that is a 0.001 percentage, but that is the case. Now, what happens is, is that everyone... Everyone has like a different radio frequency. Like we we tune into different amounts of masculinity and femininity and things like that. But, you know, women, if you're listening to this, one of the most popular men's help books for, you know, when it comes to dating and relationships is actually a book called The Way of a Superior Man, which, you know, in, in today's feminist world scares a lot of women. But if you actually read the book beyond the title... Right? If you actually read the book behind the title, it says the way of the masculine man is to realize that every person has both masculine and feminine uh, energies. And when it comes to relationships, what is actually happening at a very deep level in the way that you consider and consider that we're becoming whole is that we are, in fact, trusting that energy to be onto someone else. We're trusting the masculine energy or the feminine energy to be on someone else. Now, this is why, for example, a lot of women, they come to me for coaching and they're like, I really want a guy who's really this masculine guy. You know what I mean? And then they forget to realize that he actually has some feminine traits. Maybe in the whole scheme of the relationship, you know, he's got this, he's, he has the trend of being masculine. That's probably what you're most attracted to in the first place. But then they forget that he has some feminine side, which similarly... Very, very, very similarly when it comes to men, right? A lot of men are like, oh, I want a feminine girl. I want this really cute little feminine, exciting girl. And then she sews a masculine side and they do not know how to fucking handle that shit. So they freak out, right? So generally speaking, there's also the the immature masculine and the mature masculine and the immature feminine and the mature feminine. I think I'd mentioned that in a, a previous podcast to briefly talk about it. If you want to brief me to briefly talk about it right now, I'd describe that immature masculine is the one that can't necessarily step up. You know, it steps... The masculine... I'll explain what the different energies are, but the masculine energy... Uh, in this case, the immature one is like the the guy who can't really step up to the plate. He's like he gets a challenge, and he's like he's great playing in the in the sandbox. But when it comes to the real world, he's like, nah, we're we're back to the sandbox. Uh, I can't handle this. And um, really, a maturity is always a sliding scale depending on things that you've been able to handle before. So remember that. Remember that. But generally speaking, someone who's more in his mature masculine will always try and step up to the plate no matter what. Someone who's there in mature feminine, right, or immature feminine, wants to test the masculine. Feminine always tests the masculine. You'll learn this as well. Um, you know, because I'll explain. I should have explained the, uh, the energies a bit first, but I'll explain the immature first. Uh, so immature with the feminine, it's like... You know, uh, someone, maybe maybe a man doesn't necessarily allow her to express herself 
fully. And so she shuts down emotionally and goes somewhere else, right? But the mature feminine will express herself no matter what. Now, what are the energies, first of all? I want to describe them as almost metaphors because it's really good to know that. Maybe I've said this before, who cares? But when it comes down to it, masculine energy is the house. The feminine energy is everything within the house. Masculine energy is the bowl. Feminine energy is the water in the bowl. Masculine energy is structure, is form, is function, is is the is the is the purpose. While feminine energy is emotion, is motion, is movement, is feeling, is sensing. Masculine energy is the resolution of the conversation. Feminine energy is the conversation. So what are these two things happen, right? Now, I want to instill in you the belief that basically when it comes down to it, uh, people are like magnets. When it comes to attraction, we are like magnets. Now, given enough uh, things, right? Given enough attraction, given enough polarity, this is the thing, polarity, right? You know the whole thing, the ultimate attraction formula I mentioned in previous podcasts where, uh, what is it? Um, attraction equals uh, positive proximity. That intimacy, that positiveness, at the very core of it, it is polarity. It's about expressing yourself. This is where the whole positive things like just being friends, being around someone, that kind of stuff. Expressing who you are as a person. If you don't, then they're not going to experience the real you. And if they don't experience the real you then really they don't experience the full polarity of you. Now, it's interesting, right? It's very interesting when we discuss these things because I I love looking at polarity and I love looking at it in the sense that honestly, when we interact with people, when we understand people, it's like polarity is key. And what happens is, is well, we have this thing called depolarization. When we're depolarized, what happens is is that we no longer really have a we no longer really have that deep connection because we're no longer being ourselves and ladies this happens to a lot of men a lot of men try and please their women because they're afraid of losing them remember that men are just as afraid of losing the women as women are being of losing the men this is an equal journey we're all on this journey together you have to remember that everyone has to remember that but you know a lot of men when they're trying to please their woman they they stop doing the things that really matter to them, right? They they stop pursuing the career because that's what they think their woman wants. And truth is, maybe the woman just wants him to just be a bit more sensitive to her emotions, allow her to express herself, you know? It's like some people just really want to be loved. Some people just really want to be felt. And if they don't really feel that, then they're not going to do that. And so what happens is, is we... Is, suddenly we sometimes we can get depolarized if you don't play embrace your sexuality and if you don't embrace your polarity right and when you get depolarized that's where attraction fails that's where a partner can shift now we have the big belief right we have to have the big belief the big b the big belief that attraction actually can shift in a matter of seconds remember that attraction can shift in a matter of seconds, because the feminine is just this energy that moves. It's it's looking for a container, while the masculine is this energy that is solid, that is looking for something to contain. And when these two energies meet, it can shift in a matter of seconds. That you know, if you're having the biggest argument because you're not really feeling loved, that 
you know, a man can shift his uh, his energy from being what the fuck is going on to being I love this woman more than anything else in my entire life when he feels your deep, authentic energy, when he feels who you are and your feminine energy. And a woman can go from being really tight and and really upset and really just not really knowing what is going on and just trying to control the situation when her partner makes her feel just really loved and needed and all the things that really are needed to make her feminine energy thrive. This is the thing you have to remember. So about polarity, right? It's not just about expressing your polarity, you know, because if honestly, like, if that was the case, every man would walk around, right, and just be like, hey, girl, I'm on a mission because I'm a masculine man. And that would not necessarily, that, that would be great for that initial attraction, but it wouldn't necessarily create anything amazing, right? So it's like, it's not only do we allow ourselves to be our full polarized self, knowing that you're a, an amalgamation of just different polarities, and I'll, I'll mention this more in a second, right, about masks. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, it's like we also have to allow our partner to actually express their polarity. Because if they don't, then we're not allowing that full person to express themselves. So polarity and attraction can shift in a matter of seconds. You just need to learn how to feel that other person. Let them be their full selves while being your full self. Now, that is the real question, right? But if attraction can shift in a matter of seconds, it's just about that. So I want to talk about masks. Because Really, we have cores. You know, if you look at it, we all have our core. We're all born one core or another, you know, and this is why a lot of people, maybe later on down the track, when they get to know themselves, maybe they want a gender change because they don't necessarily feel that they're in strive with their actual core, you know. So uh, there's always everyone, for example, right? Everyone has a core. You're either a masculine or a feminine person within your core. So Here's the truth. So a woman, for example, who starts off with a feminine core, she's born with her feminine energy, this, this emotion, this emotion, this, this thing that's going to uh, feel and love and learn and laugh and enjoy the moment, right? So what happens is, is then maybe your mother taught that, you know, you should never be dependent on a man. Or maybe your father taught you you've got to be a bit stronger. Or maybe you're, you know, you, you, go, you go to the workplace and realize that, oh, for some reason, this is dominated by men, so I can't be this feminine person. So you create a masculine mask that masks your childhood because this allows you to maybe connect with people a bit more or be a bit more stronger, right? Uh, then we have a state, that's stage two. Stage three is then we a woman will then learn how to put a feminine mask over her masculine mask, you know, because she sees that men are attracted to other females who are truly feminine, Right? So we have to, as a, as a girl, as a growing up girl, you then learn that, hmm, maybe I've got to be a little bit more feminine. And so you have this masculine core of your feminine core and you, like you, you cover that up so you can attract someone. And then after that, when that woman gets hurt, when that woman gets really hurt, she puts a mask over that. She puts another masculine mask over that. And she gets covered up. And this is where most people are. And it makes me so sad. I'm going to talk about the men's journey in a second or the masculine journey in a second. But this is where most people are. This is why, honestly, I see a lot of people, we have to drink. We have to drink. Especially in fucking Australia, mate. Where we fucking drink on Friday night. 
Um, we have to drink because if we don't, then we don't really get to express our core. And maybe the work week is harder or things like that. But, you know, I've seen people completely change when they give themselves an excuse. For me, it was coffee. I don't longer have caffeine. I actually don't have uh, chocolate because chocolate has caffeine in it. Because for me, I never gave myself permission unless I had a cup of coffee in my hand or maybe an espresso martini. So the masculine, right? The masculine or the man or the little boy, specifically in this situation, if you're a woman, I'm trying to learn about more masculine men, he's born with a masculine essence, a masculine core, this form, this function, this this shape, this sturdiness, this pole, his lingam, which is the tantric word for his rod of light, which refers to his penis. Um, lingam, yeah, that's the word. So after that, we have stage two, right? And stage two is where the boy learns to mask his masculine with a bit more of his feminine. And so he realizes that, you know, Maybe maybe someone else dominated us. Maybe it was a mother who teaches us me being masculine is a bad thing. And maybe being feminine is the way to be. You know, for myself, throw this out there, I was basically raised by my mother and my sister, which allows me to be someone who's more in my feminine. And uh, I enjoy it as well. I really do. But, you know, at the core, I'm a very masculine person. When I'm in a relationship, for example... I'm generally the person who takes the role of the masculine and it's very necessary. It's very necessary for me. So uh, stage three, right? We have the person who, um, the boy, the boy then as he's reaching later on in child, he realizes that he's not attracting, he's not attracting females. Then he puts a mask over the top of that and tries to become more masculine. And then we have the stage four where he puts on a strong feminine mask because he's hurt by women and learns to please them. And women... When you've been with a man who's been hurt so much and puts on his strong feminine mask, is that attractive or not? When he thinks that what you want is to have another woman in his life, you've lost a man. And women as well, for men, sorry, men, if you're, you're listening to this, when a woman comes to you and she's trying to be more masculine because that's the thing that she thinks she needs to protect herself, you know, often the thing that's what pushes people away. It depolarizes us. So yeah. What polarity are you? Are you someone who's more in your masculine or more in your feminine? But at your essence, regardless if you're man, woman, attracted to the same sex or trans or whatever you're feeling, what is your core? Are you someone who's more in your masculine or more in your feminine? Because everyone has an essence and it's this essence that attracts us to someone else. If you're someone who's in a same-sex couple, I want you to have a look at this and maybe your past relationships. Who played the role of the masculine? Who played the role of the feminine? These is like this is like the natural this is the natural laws of attraction. This is how these things work, you know? For example, someone who's uh, more in their masculine is someone who finds it easy to let go and to leave and often leaves too soon, you know, when he speaks his words versus his emotions. For example, someone more who's more in their feminine, you know, they hang on to everything. They often stay too long and, you know, that person more often hears the emotion rather than the words. So what are you and how specifically, what practices can you do that are going to help you tap more into that side of you? For example, myself, to get more to my masculine core recently, I've started doing Krav Maga, which is this Israeli, Israeli self-defense course, which is very, A, this brutal, uh, very intense, it's like stab or be stabbed uh, martial arts, right? 
but the guy who's teaching me is this amazing guy. Joseph, his name is. Joseph is this guy who uh, was actually telling me when he was younger, he was actually got into quite trouble. Like he's this guy who's probably uh, naturally got a very strong masculine core. And so he's had to have yoga to actually balance that out. So he can be, you know, like have those functions, things like that. But at the very core, we have these things. We are We are often covered up. My core, more of my masculine. His core, more of his masculine. What's your core? Email me at harvey at gethimhooks.com. And in the meantime, make sure to share this podcast with every person you know. And make sure to let Hannah Riley at Triple J to know that we're coming for her. Because we're getting to number one on the sexuality section in iTunes. After we get to that, we're going to get to some other ones. This has been a podcast of the Honest Modern Dating Podcast, which is approximately gone for 32 minutes or 33 minutes in just a second. So thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this. Make sure to email me at harvey at gethimhooks.com if you did enjoy it. And honestly, I love receiving emails from you guys because this is bloody amazing. I love the podcast and I love you guys. Without you, I'd be nothing. All right, thank you. Bye.